This podcast is for general educational and entertainment purposes only and should not be considered medical, practice management, legal, investment, or other professional advice. No one should act or refrain from acting based on this podcast without obtaining appropriate professional advice. Right now, this knowledge lives in silos. So it's living in Texas and Maryland and Ann Arbor and uh, Vancouver or wherever it is. And now we bring all those silos and we connect them and we put them in a, uh, a public forum and say, Hey, here's what I know in Ann Arbor. Here's what I know in uh, Denver and so forth. And, and I think that will really allow us to collectively improve uh, the delivery uh, of gastroenterology care to our patients. I'm Andrew Souza, and this is Gastro Broadcast, presented by Gastrologics, your GI-specific group purchasing and business development partner. Gastro Broadcast features independent GI physicians and administrative leaders having conversations with their colleagues about issues that impact gastroenterology. But before we switch to that format, I have the honor of interviewing each of our hosts to learn more about their practices, the communities they serve, and what inspires them about independent medicine. Today, I get to introduce Dr. Naresh Gunaratnam from Huron Gastroenterology in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Dr. Gunaratnam received his medical degree at the University of Virginia School of Medicine and did his fellowship at the University of Michigan. In 2019, he was named the AGA Distinguished Physician in Private Practice. So let's get started. Dr. Gunaratnam, welcome to Gastro Broadcast. Thanks, Andy. Thanks for having me. Tell me a little bit about your practice and the community you serve. I'm located in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Our community is about 140,000. The University of Michigan is in Ann Arbor. Um, that's the other big hospital system, and that's where I trained. Um, so those are the my hospital, which is called St. Joseph Mercy, and University of Michigan are the two health systems within Ann Arbor. We are the hospital of choice for the private practice doctors in, in the area. And our practice itself is about 25 providers, um, including gastroenterologists and uh, physicians' assistants. Why did you become a gastroenterologist? Um, well, it was kind of interesting. My uncle, my mom's brother, is a gastroenterologist. And when I was 17, I went on rounds with him and I saw my first endoscopy and was extraordinarily fascinated and thought it was so cool. And decided at age 17 that's what I wanted to do, not fully knowing what it meant to be trained in gastroenterology. And I was also very close to my uncle, so I respected him and wanted to uh, be like him. My, my dad was a physician as well, so it kind of runs in my blood. So you knew from an early age that you, you wanted to be a gastroenterologist. You, you went to school uh, specifically to study to be a GI physician. Yeah, it's one of those strange things. I knew at age 17, I, I, I didn't really know what, um, what it meant. I, I thought, you know, in my estimation, it's similar to my son who's obsessed with video games and he'll play video games. And to me, this was my ability to potentially play video games as an adult. And that's, I think, the way I thought about it. I know what that's like. Uh, my son wants to play video games for a living as well. And I think back uh, when we would have said something like that to our dads and how they would have laughed. But these days, you know, I'm, I'm, I think you can, you can make a good living at it. I, I'm, you know, very supportive of my, 
my son going into uh, the video game industry. Yeah, you you can you can make good money doing it. Uh, my my worry is my son will be a forty five year old guy living in my basement playing video games. <laughs> Have you introduced him to the app that uh, is basically a video game where you're you're doing a scoping? Yeah, he played around with it, uh, but it was just way too easy for him. He said, "This is this is what you do. This is a joke. I can I can I can do this better than you, Dad." He already has a better adenoma detection rate <laughs> oh, than you do. Oh, I'm sure he does. Yeah, their dexterity playing these games—that's going to be the new generation. They're going to be doing endoscopy across continents. You know, I have no doubt that that's uh, where we're headed eventually. Um, so you knew from an early age that you wanted to be a gastroenterologist. At what point did you figure out you wanted to be in private practice rather than working in a hospital or going the academic route? It was a difficult decision because I was, um, trekking towards doing an academic career. In fact, um, I had trained in hepatology at University of Michigan and then had uh, a desire to do advanced endoscopy. So then I went to Mayo Clinic and did a fourth year advanced endoscopy um, career. I was then uh, offered a job at Northwestern to be the endoscopic ultrasound and ERCP person in 1999. And I actually went there and they had just opened up the new hospital. And we were, uh, I, had, I had a contract in hand. We were actually shopping for houses and we actually went driving looking for houses and we said, oh, let's find a place, you know, 10 miles away. And it took us an hour and a half to get there. And I said, wait, I don't think I want to do this. And just by chance, I got a call from my current practice. And uh, I didn't even know that practice existed when I was training in Ann Arbor. And what was um, really nice about the practice is that they created a academic a position for me in the sense that um, the hospital acquired endoscopic ultrasound equipment, which in 1999 was very rare. So I could continue doing endoscopic ultrasound. Um, and they had high volume in ERCP and therapeutic endoscopy. One of our founders of our group was one of the first to do ERCP in the 1970s. So he had a huge practice of ERCP and therapeutic endoscopy. So I was uh, offered the ability to join him uh, doing therapeutics, which was a nice built-in practice. And then they also protected some of my time to do clinical research. So I had the best of both worlds in the sense that I could publish two or three papers, write chapters for up-to-date, yet um, spend most of my ta time ta taking care of patients, which is what I really enjoy. I've heard from a lot of physicians that one of the benefits of being in private practice is being able to do things you may not be able to do uh, if you were in a hospital or in an academic setting uh, and you know that there are opportunities that that come along uh, that may not be available elsewhere yeah I think what a lot of, I think the two main things I really enjoy is that you have autonomy. In our group, if we wanted to uh, do something, it's you know, 10 guys and gals sitting around the table and saying, what do you think? And if everybody says, we think we should do this, it happens tomorrow. It's not a huge bureaucracy. And a, a lot of the programs I've been able to develop, uh, for instance, obesity uh, management, 
which was unique, uh, I pitched it to our group and they said, sounds like a good idea. Why don't you go with it? And I, I would, I could see that in a larger academic setting that would take, that would be a decision that may take three years to get, get, uh, uh approval to do. And, uh, so you are your own boss. Uh, number two, I think patients who, uh, uh physicians who really want patient care to be their, um, most important um, service, um, I think, can gravitate towards this. I know one of the things you're interested in is the role that GI physicians can play in treating obesity. You and I have uh, another episode where we, you know, have a much longer conversation about the program that you've implemented in your practice. I I had a, a conversation with myself and said, you know, in the last third of my career, Am I going to have the greatest difference? Am I going to make the most difference um, with my skills by doing more ERCPs or trying to figure out how to treat this uh, pandemic, if you will, where 40% of the uh, population is affected by this problem, which in turn is leading to diabetes, hypertension, heart disease, which are the leading killers of, of Americans. And I believe, I truly believe that obesity should be under their uh, guise of um, uh, gastroenterology. We should be owning this and we should be the ones delivering this care because obesity is a digestive disease. And the more we learn about it, the more we learn that this is a problem with microbiome and a lot of the things that we know a lot about. I've known you for several years now. And one of the things that I've always appreciated is that you are always talking about new programs that you've implemented in your practice or new ideas that you have for medical devices or just other innovations uh, in patient care. It should come as no surprise that uh, you, along with the other hosts, uh, have been interested in, in podcasts and view it as a way to reach out to patients and to physicians Can you talk a little bit about um, why you wanted to host this podcast and what you enjoy about the platform? Well, you know, I I really, I'm a consumer of podcasts, so I love a lot of the podcasts. And Lisa Matthew, who who is a co-host, and Mike Weinstein uh, are, we we, um, share uh, ideas and and we, you know, we text each other and say, hey, did you listen to this? And uh, I, I think what the podcast lends itself to is a deep conversation uh, that you get a deep insight onto some topic. And I think gastroenterology and the practice of gastroenterology, the economics of gastroenterology, we're, we're a very small group. Um, and I think if you can get um, an audience that really cares about this topic, we can really go deep. Uh, talking to a, a, the, the regular um, person walking in the street and talking about how to manage an endoscopic, uh, an endoscopy unit, uh, they could care less. But if you talk to a gastroenterologist who's trying to figure out how to do this and you can say, well, uh, you know, capital digestive care, uh, is managing their, uh, units extraordinarily well. Uh, I sitting in Ann Arbor would really like to know what Mike is doing <laughs> to make them run well. And I am willing to spend a half an hour and listen, you know, right now, this knowledge lives in silos. So it's living in Texas and Maryland and Ann Arbor and 
Vancouver or wherever it is. And now we bring all those silos and we connect them and we put them in a, a public forum and say, hey, here's what I know in Ann Arbor. Here's what I know in uh, Denver and so forth. And, and I think that will really allow us to collectively improve uh, the delivery uh, of gastroenterology care to our patients. And what are your favorites? What are you listening to right now? So the podcasts that I love are Freakonomics, uh, Feel Better, Live More, and um, Hidden Brain. And I, le- I love listening to them. I always learn something new, and uh, hopefully we can emulate them. In these introduction conversations, I like to you know take a look back. What kind of advice would you give to younger physicians if you could you know go back and have a conversation with yourself at 25? Uh, what what advice would you give to young Dr. Gunaratnam? Well, I think uh, maybe understand the business of gastroenterology, how you deliver care, because I think I had to fig- figure it out on the fly. The value of a forum like this again is also to share those business insights. We would love to have uh, young partners come in and learn how the practice runs and uh, learn how to deliver care better and think thoughtfully about that. And in future episodes, what do you think you'll be talking about with your guests? Gastroenterology and medicine is changing rapidly. And what what I think really would, this format is really helpful, is that there's a lot of talent uh, around the country and frankly, around the world in gastroenterology, and everybody has figured out something. Okay, that, uh, and this is the forum where all of us can come and share this knowledge. Thank you for listening to the Gastro Broadcast. Find new episodes through Apple, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast fix. For information about our hosts, guests, and supporters, visit www gastrobroadcast.com Produced by Steadfast Collaborative